Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, CEO of Digital Dawn, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Here on the Ecom Profit Podcast, I open Pandora's box and share with you and other ecom business owners weekly topics that will help you explode your business online. I outline my tried and true secret sauce, the D2D method, that's guaranteed to bring your business results. As an entrepreneur myself, I try to pull out all the same entrepreneurial passions in others. So get ready to be fired up about your business and let's have a great time. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. All right, welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I am your host, Dawn Sinkula, and today we have a very special guest. Daniel Munger, who is a media buyer extraordinaire and marketing genius. We'll call you that. All shucks. <laughs> and all shucks, he says. <laughs> Somebody who um, has been around the block a few times, has worked with me at the agency um, for many years, but has been in the media buying world for a long time. And today we are going to talk about some of the trends that we're seeing right now in media buying, as well as some trends that we're seeing just in marketing in general, specifically as it relates to e-com. We know there's a lot of, you know, challenges and things happening now in the Facebook ads world. And a lot of people are having concerns and questions and what do I do and, and that type of thing. So there's no better person to talk about it than somebody who is in it day in and day out. And Daniel is the guy. But before we get into all of that, I am going to have Daniel introduce himself. Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, tell us how you kind of came to be a media buyer and, and what are some of the things that you're doing and working on right now? Yeah, sure. So thanks, Don. We, you and I talk quite a bit, so it's always fun to to talk for the bigger community because I have my head down in the internal stuff so much, you know. Yeah. But um, so I, yeah, I've been doing Facebook ads for almost seven years now, which seems like a really long time in this space. Yeah. You and I have been working together for I think it's three and a half. Is that right? It'll be four Crazy. next year. Yeah. Crazy. And we have gone through so many um big changes in the Facebook ad yeah. world. I kind of stumbled into Facebook ads. I was, uh, let's see. 10 years ago, I was a full-time fly fishing guide, which is quite yeah. different from what's happening, right? You know, what I do now. <laughs> and um, so I kind of got thrown to the wolves through that job because I was working for a company um, that helped guides and outfitters uh, book more uh, trips and manage their schedules yeah. better and accept payments and that sort of thing. And um, they were paying a ton of money to get every guide on board. You know, and sure. so I started looking into ways to try to decrease their acquisition costs yep. and started learning how to do Facebook ads. And, you know, I think one of the things that I look at things in, in a different way than I see a lot of people looking at it. And I think it's because when I first got into Facebook ads, I had zero formal marketing training. I yeah. had zero marketing experience. I mean, zero. So I was I was going through these Facebook ad courses and and doing all I could to learn, and everybody in these Facebook ads courses that were talking about these little you know media buying hacks, and they were leaving out all the you know the fundamentals of business, <laughs> right. and that seems to be how the Facebook ad world kind of operates. It's that everyone yeah. wants to talk about these you know manual bidding and doing this and that when 
if you don't have these foundations that have become more important, which I think you and I talk about a lot, then those ad hacks, they they don't matter. So it's just become interesting now that Facebook has, has been a bumpy road. Yeah. The businesses that are surviving are the ones that have all of those big foundations in place. Media buying hacks are great, but right. But they don't, they, they they miss a huge part of business. Yeah. (laughs) They don't pay the bills. Right. Right. So, you know, we, we were actually having some conversation earlier uh, today about some of those foundational things that business owners need to have. And maybe we can just kind of start with that in, in this conversation about what are some things that we both have learned, but we both see sort of day-to-day people leaving out of the bigger equation of what's important when you're thinking about advertising in general. And and this conversation isn't necessarily unique to Facebook ads per se, although that's the platform that both you and I are most familiar with, Facebook and Instagram. I think this applies across the board to all platforms of advertising and marketing in general, having good foundational processes and understanding in place is critical regardless of what platform you, you want to advertise on. And we we talked about this a little bit with understanding some of your financial numbers from that perspective. And if you've listened to the podcast or you've, you've been in my Facebook group, you've heard me talk about this many, many times as it relates to your business foundation. But what are some things, Daniel, that you know to be true that people need to have foundationally sort of set or or understand before they even start thinking about what platform's right for them? Yeah. And this this has become even more important, I think. And we can look at it through the lens of the way Facebook ads used to be and the way yeah. Facebook ads are trending now because it's totally different. I think everybody can agree that it's totally different. Back in the day, in the heyday, Everybody was posting screenshots of 10x ROAS. Businesses were literally going from zero sales to seven figures purely with Facebook ads. And when that was the case, what they could do is they could spend money, get customers, have profit, and then figure out what to do with that profit. Yeah. (laughs) Because the margins were so big, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that they've now that Facebook has become more challenging. You don't have the luxury of just having a wide open profit margin that you can just dip into. You have to really yeah. know now that costs are going up, what's the most I can I can pay to get a new customer. And every every Facebook course that I've ever gone through, even the first ones I went through with how to how to get clients and all this stuff, they always want you to ask in your, you know, initial meeting with the client, how much can you pay to acquire a new customer? Right. Spoiler alert, almost no client knows the answer right. to that, right? Because that is not sexy to sit down and figure out what your cogs are, fulfillment right. costs, what can I pay to, to get a customer? Right. For a long time, that didn't matter. You asked that yep. question, the clients were, were happy that you were interested in the answer to that question too, and you moved on and you tried to establish what your minimum targets were. Now, yeah. you can't get away with doing that. And you know- right. One thing we talked about on our last call, you and I just with the team, was that um, if you're interested in moving to new platforms, like a lot of people, of course, are, are starting to move to TikTok and, of course, Snapchat and this and that. Right. If you're going to start running ads on TikTok, the question that you have to answer is what's 
what's the minimum ROAS that I can stomach on TikTok? Because right. if you put all this effort into learning a new platform and, and generating TikTok content, which is its whole whole own thing, yeah, and then it's generating a 2x return and you're getting a 4x return on Facebook. Right. Facebook doesn't look so bad anymore. you know. Exactly. So there's all exactly. these people wanting to just jump ship on Facebook. And I'm not saying you shouldn't explore other platforms, but if you do, you need to know you know, right. What's good. Like, is this a good result or does it need to be better? Yeah. You know, and that's the thing I think back in the day, it was like AT, like the ATM machine Facebook was, it was like, you could go there, you could put some, put your card in and then boom, 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 boom. All this money would come out. Right. And, and with minimal effort, to be honest with you, in some cases, Mm -hmm. it was a matter of just knowing how to work the algorithm having some good content and boom, things would happen. Obviously having a great product, great offer always needs to be there, but, but it was a lot easier, so to speak back in the day. And I like what you said with understanding your costs. I think most people don't think about it from a marketing perspective in why you need to know your cost. They think about it a lot from a product management perspective, meaning I need to know how much it costs me to be able to make this product and to be able to sell this product, but not necessarily how much can I afford to spend of that margin to actually acquire a customer to get them to actually buy the product. And that kind of mindset shift really isn't anything different from what it should have been a long time ago. I mean, you should really have always known that. But it's particularly important now when you are thinking about going to different platforms or you are thinking about, gee, my cost for getting a customer is a lot higher than it ever used to be. Well, maybe that's okay if you've got a lot of margin or you've got Mm -hmm. things built in or, you know, whatever. So those financial conversations are becoming more and more important. Not that they weren't, I guess, you know, like it's not like they weren't important before, but we just never thought about it in the same way, or a lot of clients didn't think about it in the same way that they need to be thinking about it now, as we've seen Facebook and other platforms change so much. Yeah. And, um, you know, with costs being so much higher than they used to be, um, when you're trying to go to another platform, it sounds good when, you know, when you start to do it, but if you really get over there and and the results are underwhelming, then you start to realize that, you know, maybe this is just how it is now, you know, maybe right. I have to spend more money now to acquire a customer. But yeah. if you don't, if you don't explore that lower end of what's acceptable, then so, so let me look at this. Let me say this a different way. If there's a business out there and they don't know their bottom end ROAS, they don't know the most, most that they can spend to acquire a new customer. And they've been operating at six X ROAS and it comes down to four X now. Mm-hmm. They come. It comes down. They freak out. They say, "Oh, we need to pull spend. We need to go to another, another platform." Yeah. If that's one of your direct competitors, and you know, actually, I've done the math with all of my costs. I can stomach a two X ROAS, right? And I can scale and get tons of volume because I know, even though two X is not anywhere close to as good as what I used to get, I know I can stomach a two X ROAS and not go belly up. And then right. I can scale and get all this volume at 2x while this other competitor goes over to this other platform, tries to figure this and that out. So yeah. it's not just an advantage for for your day-to-day, you know, deciding what platform to use. It's an advantage because 
I think every business should want to see what the lowest ROAS is they can stomach. I because agree. if you can get that volume and that cash flow, that is so important for so many businesses. Yeah, it's not just about the ROAS. You know what I yeah, mean? It's, yeah, it's totally. not always just about the number. It is there is a volume play there too. And I think that a lot of times people forget that it costs you more to acquire a customer on the front end. Yes. But if and once you acquire them, you have them as a customer. So then selling to them again is where the profitability really becomes magical because you've already acquired them. Yes, maybe at a two row as, but the volume of people that you've acquired is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. You sell them on the back end and then boom, boom, boom. That's where the profit happens because you've already got them, right? Yeah. So I think that that piece of it <clears throat> is critical too. And you know, when you talk about going to other platforms, I think so many people right now are like just done with Facebook, right? Like they, right. You, you hear all of this, like, oh, this woe is me. And it's not like it used to be. And it's all this sort of like morose sort of thing. But like we were just saying, there's still like two to three billion people on <laughs> yeah. Facebook, right? So like, yeah. it's not really going away, in my opinion. Is it going to change? Is it going to get more challenging? Is it going to potentially look different? Yes, I think all of that, as any platform grows and changes, I don't think that's unique to to Facebook per se. But yes, do I think there's going to be some things that are going to make it a little bit more challenging? Or are there going to be new and new and improved ways we're going to be able to post and things we're going to post for sure. But in your opinion, I think you still feel the same way that Facebook is still a very viable, great option from an advertising perspective. You just have to look at it a little bit differently. Yeah, I I've said this. I know I've said this to you before, um, but if we were to show Facebook, if we were to rewind twenty five years and go to some some business and that was spending money on billboard, radio, and TV. And we told them they could continue running ads like that, or they could spend money on Facebook the way it is right now. There is not a single one of them that would opt for billboards, radio, yeah. and TV without this. So, you know, I think we're all looking at it through the lens of how, what it was like a few years ago. Right. And we need to take a page out of, you know, the good old days of advertising where we might not be able to get super granular with understanding exactly where each sale came from. Facebook reporting is a complete disaster right now. Attribution is a complete disaster. You can't trust what you're seeing in Facebook. So, you know, it's super smart for businesses to spend money in the places that are profitable and to not spend money in the places that are not profitable. However, it got a little carried away in that direction with how amazing the Facebook machine was. Right. It's not quite that good anymore. Right. I mean, it's, but it's still great, you know? So there, I guess both of right. those things can be true. It can be that, shoo, it is not as good as it used to be, but wow, it's still one of the absolute best options because you have, you know, an advertising platform that perform performs quite well a lot of times and you have so many eyeballs, you know? Right. So, right. I know. mean, 
back in the day when you used to run and and people still do this and it is quite profitable billboards and and TV radio yeah. I mean obviously you know millions of dollars are going to 15 second you know Super Bowl ads right like so we know that TV and and billboards and radio and all that still works but it is hard from an attribution perspective to know mm-hmm. did that directly result and even on the worst day of Facebook it's still sometimes better than not knowing at all, right? Yeah. Of, of of where your sales are coming from. And I think to your point, you know, the Facebook is the container in which you get to show the world your particular product. It's just yeah. that. It's a container, right? Just like advertising on a billboard or a radio or anything else, it's the container. None of them are perfect. None of them have, you know, a one for one that you can directly see in any capacity, but Facebook is still a machine that has billions of users on it in a contained platform that a lot of other marketing type outlets don't have. And so for me, I look at that and go, yeah, it certainly is more challenging. Yeah, we do have, you know, reporting issues and things like that, too. But from, you know, sending a direct mailer, which is super expensive and not knowing what you're going to get back to being able to put some money into a Facebook ad, I I would still take the Facebook ad over the direct mailer, in my opinion. Now, again, each business is a bit different. There's lots of variables to that. But would you agree that Facebook is still a very viable option for most businesses? Yes. I I honestly think that now Facebook, I never want to see businesses go out of business ever. Right. I think that is such an awful thing for the world in general when when businesses that work hard go out of business. So it's such a shame. But if you can succeed if you if you succeeded with Facebook ads five years ago, you were probably doing some things well and you were probably do, doing some things not very well at all. If you want right. to succeed doing Facebook now, there there aren't as many shortcuts, I guess. You know, yeah. so I think it's yeah. I think it's a good thing. I think the platform is amazing. I'm like I'm a pretty optimistic person. I think yeah. what's happening now, you know, four years ago when we would talk to a client, we would say, "What's the minimum you can pay to acquire a customer?" And they said, "I don't really know." And then we just would determine that number ourselves internally and go with it. Right. Now right. you have to answer that question, right. and it's going to benefit your business to 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 answer that question. But it's maybe right. not the most fun conversation to have. Well, and I think you bring up a really good point about having to have a lot of that foundational stuff set up and in place. I mean, if you're a one trick pony and Facebook was your magic bullet, you're not going to be successful just in business in general. Right. And and at some point that sort of trip is going to, la- you know, it's going to mm-hmm. come to an end. Right. Yeah. We're, we're not going to be able to get all of that all the time regardless. And so having those, you know, the, the foundations, the, the balance between understanding your numbers and using the platform to its best, you know, to, to highlight those things, I think is amazing and a great way to do it. But if you're not confident in your numbers or you don't have some of the other things set up in your business that are as important as running ads, then we know that that isn't going to get you a bang for your buck like it used to. So some of those other things that you're seeing, you know, in client accounts that you're working with, like what are some of the other, knowing your numbers being one of them, but what are some other things that you're seeing, you know, clients do that are helping sort of supplement maybe what, what is not as, you know, sexy on the back end, but things that people are supplementing, 
you know, to go along with their ads to help make up for maybe some of what was before. Yeah. One of the biggest things right now is that we, we really can't trust, um, the reporting that we're seeing inside Facebook. So the businesses that are handling this well, um, are the ones that are not only making all their decisions on ROAS, but they're also watching, you know, blended mer. They're watching their, their revenue trends as well. Um, because Can if you talk a little bit about what mer is for people, Mer that is an old, know. an old metric that has come very much back in vogue. And it's an advertising metric that people used to use for radio and TV ads yeah. because yeah. all they knew was I'm spending $10,000 on these TV ads, my revenue. So in the last month I've spent $10,000 uh, on these TV ads. My revenue in these last, this last month has been $30,000. So right. all you do to get Mer is just divide total revenue divided by total ad spend. And the goal there is at a very, very basic level to say, you know, I'm spending this much and my total revenue is is way more than that. Now, obviously, yep. every business has their own cogs and stuff that they have to cover too. But it was just a basic way without being able to look inside the Facebook ads manager at what your ROAS yep. was. It was a way yep. for you to make sure I'm spending money and I'm making more than I'm spending, which right. obviously right. is huge. That's why you want, right? right? <laughs> That's the so, goal. So the, a lot of businesses are getting hung up right now. And there's a lot of, I think you would agree with this in the last year, there's a lot of flailing that businesses are doing. And that yep. might look like going to explore other platforms, which isn't bad. I think that's good. Yep. I don't think you have to do that. But they're going and frantically exploring all these other platforms. They're frantically looking at hiring different agencies or hiring different contractors because all they know is that Facebook and Apple got in a fight <laughs> Yeah. advertisers were all like, Oh, this might be a problem. Right, yeah. Right, right. And then their results went down with the same media buying team that they've had. So there's been a lot of, um, in the industry, a lot of shuffling around with people yeah. that think that, well, maybe it's just this, this media buyer, the businesses right. that are doing the best are the ones that are able to look inside ads manager and then look at right. their revenue and say, ads manager looks a little goofy. Our business as a whole is still healthy. Let's keep yeah. doing it, you know, because this, what we're seeing in ads manager right. isn't working. So, I mean, that's pretty like, that's not in the media buying hack a category. That's just the businesses that are succeeding. Right. Um, right. I think the other thing, if I could give something that's, that's pretty specific is that up until this point, Facebook, I honestly look at it as almost like magic. I mean, the platform was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, there are so there are so many clients I've I've worked with, and and you and I have worked with where, in my, I live in Tennessee in a small town. In my small town mind, there are some clients. I'll be honest. When I hear what they sell in the past, I've gone, that's not going to sell. Right. But then Facebook is so amazing at finding the right people that these people have They're like magic. It's unbelievable, right? And that right? was because you were able to give Facebook this freedom. Like, hey, I want to go find somebody that's interested in this and I'm going to show yep. them this content. And what do you know? People are buying it like hotcakes because it's a good yep. product. Yeah. Um, now, Facebook, the Facebook machine is not quite as magic at finding those people. Yeah. So since, since it's not quite as good at finding those people, you have to find those people through your creative and your messaging. Yeah. 
So Facebook can still still do some of it, but if you're not really speaking to those people in your creative and in your messaging, then it's that's tough. almost be, it's almost become the filter. You know, it's right, like creative right. is just so much more important, and it will continue to be that way. I think. And I think too, Facebook as a machine is still really smart, right? Like it, it's so much so smarter good. than so good. Even on so the worst good. day, it's still good. So right? good. Still like, amazing. Like, yeah. Amazing magic yeah. machine thing. Yeah. And, and we can debate all day long about, you know, whether you believe you should be tracked, not be tracked or, or so on and so forth. And I love how everyone has those opinions, but yet they <laughs> yeah. still use, they still use the platform. Right. Correct. So, that being said, you know, Facebook is that it is a machine and it is important from a creative perspective and from a copy perspective. It always was, but it's even more important now, like you said, what are some things that, and we talked about this a little bit with the way in which Facebook's algorithm has changed a little bit, being more specific and detailed used to be kind of the way that we would think about things like go after detailed targets of people that we know are like X, Y, and Z type of people, or we would use, you know, lookalike audiences, or we would get super narrow in, I want the woman that's this, that does this, that buys that, that lives here, that is this sort of person. And as of today, now, again, a year from now, this may be a very different conversation, but as of today, some of that has changed a little bit. And what yeah. are you, what are you seeing in your accounts, you know, as far as how the machine is working from that perspective? Yeah. So there's been a pretty crazy transition in the last, you know, October in the last six months or so. Yeah. And for a long time, I mean, there were probably a year or two where a purchase lookalike was the best, one of the best audiences that you could use. And if you, yeah. you know, if you don't know what that is, that's essentially Facebook takes a list of all the people um, that have purchased your product and they go find a bunch of other people that are like those people that purchased. Yep. And lookalikes were, they did a lot of the heavy lifting in almost yeah. every cold traffic campaign that, that we ran, not traffic conversion campaign, but just campaigns yeah. for cold traffic. Yeah. Um, when iOS came out, a lookalike audience is only as good as the seed audience that it's created from. When yeah. iOS came out, if you were using data to build your audiences that was from your website, from your pixel, um, when iOS came out, that data became nowhere close to oh. as accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So since so a lot of people said lookalikes are going to be impacted. I have definitely found that to be true. Any lookalike yeah. that is based off of your pixel, which is on your website, any data based off that, the lookalike is not anywhere close to as strong as it was. So yeah. then it transitioned to, okay, let's get back to targeting people based off of interests. So if you sell a soccer ball, interest, you know, targeting people that are interested in soccer. Um, right. And those were performing much better than lookalikes. And I hadn't really seen that for a while. Now yeah. what we're finding, we just spoke about this on our team call, you know, is that having good creative that speaks yeah. directly to your ideal customer and just using broad targeting is starting to to come back and work quite well. And there was a period yeah. where it worked really, really well when the Facebook machine was really, really performing great. Um, and then, it, you know, I found that it kind of tapered off a little bit. But now I started in some of my again. campaigns. I'm testing those those broad. And, and everybody on our team is testing those broad um, audiences. And when I say broad, 
literally no targeting in there. You might say, I want to target all females and Facebook, you can go nuts and show this creative to you think. And in some cases it's performing quite well. So now would you say that's kind of like old school Facebook, like way back when it first started that it was kind of that way. And do you think that's because of the algorithm changes because of iOS that the update has now sort of taken us back to where we were before the machine knew all the pieces that it did. And they've sort of like wiped the slate clean. And now here we are again, because I've kind of thought about that a couple of times, like, Hmm, is this because we've just sort of said, okay, well with iOS, we're going to just play a different game. We're just going to go wipe it all clean and say, all right, let's start back where we didn't know all the data points and see what we can find. Yeah. I honestly did not anticipate broad audience targeting coming back and being effective. I I totally understood because broad audience targeting relies a hundred percent on two things. The machine, because you're giving Facebook a blank check when you do that. Yeah. Right. So it relies on the machine doing a really good job and it also relies on really good creative. So when, if you rewind, so I would call this tactic from like generation two of Facebook or like period two. So the first period of Facebook ads were, I'm going to target a high ticket coach that's also interested in sports that also went to school at Harvard or Yale that also this and that. I mean, you were getting super detailed and super narrow because you could target someone that had a whole host of things. and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And you could get super detailed about it. Yeah. Right, right, right. And some smart media buyers were like, that's a lot of work. What if I just let Facebook go use the information it has? And since Facebook is really good at predicting conversions, Facebook knows you're about to buy something before you're you're going to buy it. Let's just yeah. let Facebook go find it. And yeah. the machine was humming along. And as long as you had good creative, give it broad targeting and stop doing all that work with audience targeting and let <laughs> Facebook do it. And it was amazing. It was great. Right. So then when iOS limited everything, I thought that it was going to be that we went back to interest targeting, getting super detailed, and not trusting Facebook to go show it to whomever it pleases. So now it's really interesting. I, you know, I don't know why, which is part of this game. You know, like it's never never what you think it's going to be. And so the broad audience targeting thing is something I did not anticipate and it could be short-lived you know it could it could oh, right. peter out but right. who knows but it's yeah it's um yeah it's interesting because i yeah. i feel like a little bit of this it, this broad targeting is a little bit of like the the machine has restarted almost you know what i mean like and when i say that i i'm talking specifically about like the facebook algorithm sort of like stopping resetting and saying, okay, well, since we don't have all these data points like we used to because of iOS, we're just going to kind of go, okay, let's scratch all that and start over again and then build data off of that. So I would anticipate that we would have these big broad audiences for a while. And then once the machine gets more detailed targeting and and up to date again, via or post iOS, right? That, that they're going to learn diff it's going to learn differently and then maybe go into more targeting or something along those lines. I'm, I'm just, I'll be curious to listen to this podcast six months from now and yeah, see what we're at with things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It could be. Yeah. I mean, ultimately who knows, but 
I do, I do think that, I mean, Facebook had to, and we don't know exactly what's going on in the bones of it, but you know, it was getting so many fewer data points now that they had to, they had to change the way it's learning. And, you know, all all through ads manager. Now you see all these things about modeled conversions, which essentially is Facebook saying, you know, we can predict when someone is about to purchase, but now they're actually marking that as a purchase inside ads manager with no, with no pixel confirmation that the purchase actually happened. So we know that Facebook, the way Facebook goes, one constant is that they come out with something new or something changes is very rocky for a little while. And then they start to figure it out. So right now, maybe this broad audience targeting thing is them, is their new way of learning, you know, starting to come around a little bit and, and gaining some steam. So yeah, we should yeah. totally do this again in six months because it would be really I know, right? right. We'll have to see. I, I will be very curious. It'll be like March of 2022. We'll have to do another podcast and see yeah, totally. if our predictions are correct or yeah, not. But yeah. this is this is one of those. And I guess, you know, it leads to a really good point about making sure that you are in this game for the long haul. And and one of the things that I think we see a lot with clients is that they come to an agency and they think, okay, I have whatever it is, $10,000 to spend. I expect immediate results. If I don't get those immediate results, then it's the agency's problem and I'm moving to the next agency or the next media buyer or the next contractor or whatever. And Sure, I, there absolutely are media buyers and agencies out there who, you know, don't do it right and oh, who yeah. don't know what they're doing and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But I would say, you know, I'm kind of the eternal optimist and feel like, you know, a lot of people do know what they're doing, but it isn't a short term game, right? Like these are things that as media buyers, we learn over time because we have so much insight and behind the scenes. But if you're just coming to the table for the first time, or you're coming back to the table after you've been out of the game for a couple of years, this is a long game now that people need to be prepared to ride the wave for months and months at a time versus coming in with a 90 day expectation of I'm going to make all my money back in 90 days and I'm going to be rich kind of thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And it, you know, I think it made it worse back in the day because there were so many stories out there of people that started running Facebook ads and two months later, just millionaires crushing it, you know, (laughs) and I'm not saying that can't happen now. It absolutely can. But, um, you know, that's, that's definitely not the norm. And now we don't have, we don't have quite as much magic as we used to have. Right. Um, Right. So you got it. The point of it is, is being in this and understanding that Facebook is just that it's just a machine. It's Mm -hmm. just a platform of, of what goes in comes out kind of thing. And that you have to be patient you have to understand it. You have to have good, solid business foundations in place so that you aren't reliant upon the machine as the only method of success. But that you also, I think, and this is a message that I share over and over again with, with our clients and with others, is that like you have to be in this for the long haul. And if you can't sustain your business without Facebook ads or you can't sustain your business while hiring an agency and running Facebook ads at the same time, 
then this probably isn't the right game for you right now. Uh, because, yeah. or maybe ever for that matter, because you've got to be able to have enough cash flow in your business to be able to sustain what potentially could be several months of rocky road before you actually hit it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that goes back to knowing what is the lowest you can, you can stomach yeah. as far as results go and making sure that when, um, when winter does come, you have those customers and you're routinely engaging them through email and SMS. I mean, you have, that's one of the, you know, we keep saying the word foundations to me, those foundations that that I see so many businesses missing on is knowing their numbers and their targets and really putting a lot of effort into email and SMS and making your customers feel like they're part of, part of your crew, you know, Right, making right. them feel like you're, they're not just buying a product from you. You have a relationship with them. You don't show up once every two months and say, "Hey, remember me? Here's the sale." You yep. you, you keep yep. up with them and keep them engaged because when winter does come on these platforms, which we have seen big time, yeah, yeah. you have to be able to rely on that email and SMS and things right. like that. Well, I always say like your list is your life, so to speak, right? And yeah. and you've acquired it, you've got it, you've paid for it, do something with it outside of, you know, just thinking that Facebook is going to be your moneymaker. Cause, and I think that's a whole nother podcast of <laughs> what should you do with your email list, you know, oh, and, and how you should be handling them and nurturing them and doing all of those things. But I, I agree with you. Those foundational things go far beyond just knowing your numbers. It really is about understanding once you acquire someone, what do you do with them? How do you can keep them engaged? And we've talked and I've talked about loyalty programs and rewards mm-hmm. and, and making sure that you're, you know, incentivizing and all sorts of things. I mean, it's so much cheaper to get a second sale than it is to get the first one. And oh, if yeah. you've already spent the money, you know, why would you like, you're just leaving money on the table as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yep. So is there any other, as we wrap up, is there any other tips or advice or recommendations of things that you would tell people at this particular point? I would, one thing that has really been shocking to me, and this is the reason I'm saying this is because we're moving, we're in fourth quarter, we're moving closer to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Yeah. From a media buying standpoint, when you, in the past, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you would make decisions during game time. So let's say it was Friday and it was 10 a.m. You would review results and you would adjust to try to take, to maximize your budget for that time for business owners that are listening to this, for agencies, for, for media buyers that are listening to this, Facebook has a hundred percent confirmed. There's a 48 to 72 hour reporting delay inside ads manager. So if you're looking at ads manager and you're making a decision about something, that's less than 48 hours. The data you're looking at is wrong. It's just Correct. not not there. Do not trust okay. it. So that do changes not, things. Do not trust, do not trust it. Data. It's not there. Like it, or it's there. There's that's what is even worse. I almost wish that Facebook did not show any data until right. 48 hours later. Because right. then us like Twitchy media buyers wouldn't be in here refreshing ads manager every 30 right. minutes going, oh, actually this ad is performing well in the last two hours. I'm right. going to increase the budget. Don't do that anymore. So so that's one big tip I have is every decision you make, please realize the data you're seeing is at least 48 hours delayed, 48 to 72. Um, So with that being said, during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, 
make sure you're monitoring your actual revenue um, as well as what you're seeing in Facebook. Yeah. Because Facebook might tell you, oh my gosh, you're crushing it. And you look at your revenue trend for the last two days and it's way down. And you're like, oh, I should probably not trust what Facebook is doing. So, you know, you need to confirm what's going on for your Black Friday, Cyber Monday decision making. Confirm it with revenue best you can. There's no perfect answer, but at least, you know, confirm it with alongside what you're seeing in Facebook. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And for all of those people out there that are listening that are do-it-yourselfers, you know, take that advice to heart because you've got to spend the time and know what you're looking at as well Mm -hmm. in your Shopify stores or in your, you know, CRMs or whatever you're using to track success. Make sure you know what you're, you're tracking and looking at from the opposite side versus reliant on so heavily on Facebook because to Daniel's point, we know it's wrong. <laughs> There's yeah. no doubt that it's wrong. But yeah. how do you make decisions when it's wrong? Well, use the source of truth. Whatever yeah. that source of truth is, use that as the decision maker for yeah. particularly for, for sales happening during this crazy time. Black yeah. Friday, Cyber Monday. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Well, this has been so helpful, Daniel. Thank you for having an amazing conversation. I'm going to put us on the books to do this six months from now and uh, see if some of our predictions are correct or wrong and uh, what happens six months from now. But for those of you who are interested in learning more about working with us at Digital Dawn, you can find out how to do that in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Daniel, for joining us. And until next time, appreciate it. Yep. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you've heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to see if you're a good fit to work with the Digital Dawn team, head over to digitaldawnagency.com forward slash contact and let's book a call. Thanks so much again. And until next time.